It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And good morning. Happy Friday to you. Welcome into the program. And of course, we've got a lot to discuss with you today. Later on in the show, we will be joined by New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad. And joining her today will be Counselor-at-Large Brian Gomes. We'll get their reaction to the cautioning of the police union by the New Bedford Police Administration, among other topics. And uh, we may talk a little bowling today as well. Uh, for those of you wondering, last night we won three out of four. You know, you have the three games and then total pinfall. We took two of the games in total pinfall. So hopefully we move up a little bit. We started the night in seventh place. We're hoping that this gets us into the top five depending on how the other team shook out. But we're all watching anxiously to see those those uh, results, those um, final standings get posted to the to the Wonder Bowls tournament site. But uh, if, you, if you are somebody who enjoys bowling, you don't have to be somebody that wants to participate in a league. But if you just want to take part in some bowling. Now, I, listen, bowling has changed. Oh, I was going to promote a Seize the Deal, but it's sold out already. We had a SeizeTheDeal.com for one hour of bowling for up to six people at Wonder Bowl for $30, when normally it would be a $60 value, and it's sold right out. And we had hundreds of those, which means you really like bowling out there. Uh, so, yeah, never mind. But if you do like bowling, you should you should go to Wonder Bowl. Just call ahead. Always call ahead is my suggestion to see... You know, is it a league night uh, on a weekend? Do they have a league going on at the time that you want to go? Because there is a lot of league action that goes on over there. But uh, there's certainly times, too, that you could come with the family and bowl. So, yep, sold out. I didn't even get to go and buy any because I'm I'm not bowling over the summer. So I don't get the practice rate. But anyway, I'll keep an eye out, and I'll let you know. If we find out how we finished, I'll let you know, just in case some of you want to know. I know some of you that are listening are actually in the bowling league with me. Some of you I've bowled against. One of you I bowled against last night. So I think that uh, there's a lot of folks, and I see a lot of people's names that I know, and I've you know when we have bowled against them, there's a lot of people that I know and recognize it's a very popular thing. Even though people don't talk about it all that much, it's it's very popular. And I was talking with somebody a while back about the products, the, the things that you can buy. Because I'm always, I'm looking for a new bag, but I can never find one that I like. Uh, for a while, I was trying to find shoes and I couldn't find any that were in my size. And so I wore a size 12, and apparently that's one of the most common bowling sizes. Usually it's not that big of a deal when I go to a store. I can find all kinds of shoes in my size because it seems like people have feet that are just a little smaller than mine. But 
bowling, it was so hard to find a size 12. So, and, and, and I was talking with this person and he said, well, after the pandemic, it became a very popular sport again. And no, no idea why. No idea why that was on the rise after the pandemic. Maybe because it's indoors. People like, I'm used to being indoors again. So indoors all the time. So I might as well do an indoor sport. I don't know. But it was, um, it was tough. It took me months to be able to get a pair of shoes. Anyway, I don't want to talk bowling the whole day. One of the things that I do want to bring up today is, you know, we talked a little bit the other day about Bigfoot. And I know some of you roll your eyes at that and you say, ah, there's no such thing as Bigfoot. And I think I, listen, I'm, I'm probably in your camp, actually. Because I I honestly have a hard time with, if this thing is a flesh and blood creature, somebody would have had something by now. And I hear all of the reasons why. You know, well, uh, think about how long it took to find the giant squid. Or, you know, think about all the animals that are in the forest that you never see. And they're obviously smart enough to avoid it. Like, I hear all the rationale as to why it could be a real flesh and blood creature. And still, we've never encountered it. But I don't know that I necessarily believe. And I've, I've, I've struggled a bit over the years with that. Sometimes I hear some really intriguing ideas and theories. And then sometimes I go back to it. So, But one, but Bigfoot's everywhere. Bigfoot exists all, well, it's said to exist all over the world. There's different variations of who we might be in different names. Skunk, Ape, Yeti, Sasquatch. There's all these different names for it. But it's all kind of the same idea. But here in New England, we have our own, our very own cryptid. Now, a cryptid is a creature that is said to exist, but there's no proof. And the science of looking into them is called cryptozoology. And we have our own cryptid in Massachusetts. And today is the anniversary of its sighting. 46th anniversary, to be exact. On April 21st and 22nd of 1977, a small gangly hairless creature with large glowing eyes was spotted on three different occasions in a span of about 25 and a half hours in the town of Dover, Massachusetts. And it was investigated by cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman and took the name the Dover Demon. I don't know if you know this, Tim, but I actually grew up in Dover. You did? I so did. did you hear stories of the Dover Demon? Yeah, you know, the kids in middle school and would talk about it um, as kind of a joke thing. You know, ooh, don't stay out in the woods at night. But, um, yeah, I never saw it, and I went into the woods a lot. Well, we, we actually, on the 30th anniversary, this is how long we've been doing Spooky South Coast. On the 30th anniversary, we actually sent out my co-host Matt Moniz, and another another uh, researcher, friend of his, and they went out to the woods of Dover looking for the Dover Demon on the 30th anniversary. And I guess th- there were all kinds of people out there doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. The police came and moved everybody along, told them, because it's kind of a residential area, right, where it was of seen. Of course, yeah. So they're trying to move everybody out, but they, they let Moniz and, and John Horgan stay because they were there for the radio. Oh, so. fun. <laughs> Yeah, just a little tidbit, you know, grew up there and never saw it, but fingers crossed one day. I mean, you're you're too young to have been alive when it was actually seen, Yeah, but otherwise I would have my suspicions that maybe you are the Dover Demon. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. All right. You've, you've revealed everything. 
All right. I, I, I'm sorry I spilled the beans there. But um, the, the gentleman who saw the sighting, Bill Bartlett, is still alive. And, you know, it was only 40 years ago when he was a teenager. Uh, but he's the one who drew the picture. And if you go to our Facebook page, the WBSM Facebook page, I shared the story that I wrote last year for the 45th anniversary. And you can read all about it. And you can listen to the Spooky South Coast episode that we did on it where we had uh, Moniz and, and John Horgan out in the field out looking for it. And it was either John Horgan. I think it was John Horgan. It was either him or Andrew Lake. I forget who went with Moniz. Uh, and then we also had Lauren Coleman on the phone with us talking about the Dover Demon. We And we actually played some audio of an interview with Bill Bartlett that our friend Jeff Belanger did. And you can hear all of that and you can see the sketches that Bill did and see this creature that is, you know, hairless. It has a big rounded head with almond-shaped eyes, you know, these, these, these weird eyes. It's kind of along the lines of what people would describe as one of the grays, a gray alien, but not quite exactly the same. And it has long legs, four, four long legs or, you know, arms and legs, however you want to look at it, with these uh, very extended fingers on it. And you can see it for yourself and read about the different sightings of the Dover Demon. Because as I mentioned, there were three. Uh, Bill Bartlett is the one who is most famous because he's the one who drew the photos. But uh, there was also John Baxter, who was 15 years old at the time. And uh, Abby Brabham, who was 15 years old at the time. So it, it's it's interesting, the theories that came out about this thing. People tried to dismiss it right away. And the first excuse that came out for what this was was that it was a baby moose now when was the last time that you saw a moose in dover massachusetts let alone a baby moose let alone a baby moose that was on its own and forget the fact that a baby moose would have been much larger than the creature that these teenagers saw so it's funny because people assumed that because it was kids that saw this thing that it was a hoax and I think that they decided well we'll just give hoax explanations too because it's not a real thing but these folks stayed by their sightings they they stood by what they saw 40, 46 years later now another was that it was a a horse foal because at the time there was a population of 5,000 people living in Dover and there were more horses than there were people according to Lauren Coleman but there were no animal tracks discovered and no reports of missing foals then there was the idea of it being a mangy animal like a dog or a fox now Bartlett who has remained grounded in what it was that he saw you know he's not like pushing the space alien or 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 any theories like that, like some other people have seen, but he says it's no animal that he's ever seen and that he knows everything that could be mangy and that it was larger than those animals. So the here it is, you know, 46 years later and the story of the Dover Demon is still discussed. And as you heard Kate, you know, she grew up well after that and the kids talked about it. So the Dover Demon is our own cryptid, our own story here in Massachusetts that 
I, I I guess there's probably other creatures that might exist around the world that could be the same creature, but you know we like to we like to think that this guy's just ours. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. And and by the way, in later years, you know, once the Bridgewater Triangle kind of entered into the zeitgeist, and and people were talking about it, and people were discussing it, whether they were doing it with a scoff or whether they did it with, you know, full belief, the story of the Puckwudgies became more prominent. And then some people had floated the theory that perhaps the Dover Demon was a Puckwudgie. But from all the reports that I've gathered about Puckwudgies and Chris Balzano, who has spent, you know, 20 years researching them, uh, and, I, you know, we've talked about it too, it doesn't, think, it doesn't seem like this thing fits the description of a puckwudgie it looks different it acted different it it seemed more animal-like than a puckwudgie so whatever this thing was nobody has seen it since those three sightings in a matter of 25 and a half hours were the only times that the dover demon was ever seen believe me we've tried (laughs) They went out for the 30th anniversary. They've gone back since. No Dover Demon sightings. And nobody else's, nobody's reported it. And nobody's really refuted it over the years. You know, they tried to explain it away when it first happened. But nobody has really kind of gone back to try to disprove what it was. And Lauren Coleman, you know, it's not one of the main things that he talks about. Haha, <laughs> main, Lauren Coleman. Uh, it's not one of the biggest topics he has when he goes out and he's lecturing about things, but it's certainly something that every time this, you know, this time of year, every year will certainly come up again and again. So give it a read if you want. It is at the uh, WBSM.com Facebook page. It's the story that I wrote last year and we just brought it back out and reshared it for you to be able to check out. All right, I'm going to take a break. If you want to talk Dover Demon, we can. If you want to talk about some other issues, we certainly can. Of course, yesterday, two more sad stories in the news. Uh, I mean, poor Kate. Got to keep an eye on her mental health with all the stories she's had to cover over the last month or so. But uh, yesterday, a fatal fire on Chestnut Street. Actually, I believe it was right across from where my parents used to live. And, uh, and then yesterday, also... The body of a 22-year-old female cadet found at Mass Maritime. And all that they've really revealed about that is that there's no foul play suspected. So I don't know what that means. I don't want to speculate what that means. But they said that there's no threat to to the public. And I think that that's the information that people want to know first right away. Of course, there's always going to be people that want all the the morbid details. And then there'll be people who will want to know the identity of the student. But for the most part, people just want to know, was this, was this foul play? And is there something that would be a threat to the public? So, um, obviously we'll keep checking that story out, but as of right now, they haven't released any, any information, but Kate will get it if they do. All right. 508-996-0500. You can also hit us up on app chat on the WBSM app or, you can use the open line feature to send in a voicemail, and we'll play it here on the air. Um, but right now, why don't we take our first break? We'll be back in just a few moments with more of the program. 
Welcome back in 508-996-0500. Those of you who have been spooky South Coast listeners since day one, 17 years ago, you might remember that that was one of our bumpers way back in the day with the legendary Jim Birdsall saying, now here's more of spooky South Coast. That was uh, that was a lot of fun back in those days uh, playing all that stuff. Now we got to be careful with it because of podcasts and music rights and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, 508-996-0500. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You were on WBSM. Hello. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Good. I was just wondering if this creature had two or four legs. It was, So it had, uh, you know, what looks like four legs in Bill Bartlett's drawing. So in, in, in that particular pose, he's kind of um, bent over, clutching onto some rocks. But others reported seeing it standing straight up. Um, and walking on two legs. So whether or not it's bipedal or not, we're not exactly sure. No uh, chance at all that it could be a, a person or a youngster in a in a costume. No. We, so that was one of the things that was suggested to the kids, and they they said no way that it was not. It was it was smaller than a moose, but larger than a fox. And the way that it moved around, it it couldn't have been a child because first of all, who why is there an unattended child in a costume out in the middle of the night? Uh, and also. Um, that they felt that the movements that it had just weren't human. Okay, and uh, any chance that it could fly? Uh, does not appear to have had that ability. Okay. I think I think some of the reports. Let me. I'd have to look here. Um, involved it jumping, but not jumping like great heights. Okay. Not like a spring heeled jack or anything. And most people don't think it was alien at all. Uh, it seems like, you know, that was not something that Bill Bartlett was thinking. I don't see anything from the other two people about whether or not it was an alien in, in some of the the notes that are out there about it. But I think that there were probably some people around Dover at the time who saw that photo and might have thought aliens. But you also have to think, too, the idea of these aliens coming into... You know, aliens that would look like this didn't really come into the public imagination really until Close Encounters of the Third Kind which came out later that year right. and then not until really until uh, Whitley Strieber's Communion which was released as a book in the early 1980s. Okay. Yeah, that is very strange. I was just seeing those in that like 24 hour span and never again anywhere. Yeah. No, I mean I mean, maybe it's been around and nobody's seen it but uh, it seems like maybe this was a one time thing so maybe it was a visit from another planet. And this was how many years ago now? One more time? Uh, 46 years ago. It was 1977. Okay, so who knows, you know, if it is still living or not. Right. It could still be out there somewhere and it just learned how to avoid people. That's true, yeah. Right. Now, you mentioned about Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. Tonight on the Travel Channel, Alaska Killer Bigfoot. It's one episode after another. You ever hear of anyone being killed in Alaska that they... Uh, think could have been by a Bigfoot? No, I mean, I don't think... There, so there are stories of people who might have been, uh, you know, carried off into the woods by some of these creatures. There's a, a gentleman named, named David Paulides who uh, has a, a website and, and a book series called Missing 411 where he has looked into people who just go missing. And one of the theories is that if these creatures do exist, that maybe they're carrying people off into the woods and then they're never seen again. But I've seen no evidence of that. And, and uh, I don't think anybody, uh, not even David Paulides, takes it as a serious as a serious theory. Right, yeah. There have been a, a few sightings around here that 
Am I correct in Massachusetts? Oh, oh, we have lots of them. There's there's actually a group here in Massachusetts called Squatchachusetts that goes out looking for Bigfoot pretty much every weekend. My my co-host on Spooky South Coast, Matt Moniz, okay. works with the organization, and they, they do cases in Middleborough. They do cases around here. Moniz's mother saw a, a Bigfoot in 1967 uh, on New Boston Road here in okay. Fairhaven. So. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, they're around. Okay, but you basically, like me, don't believe they exist. Am I right? Uh, I mean, I don't believe that they are a flesh and blood creature. I think if there is something going on, it's possible that there's some sort of um, paranormal explanation to it. But that uh, I don't I don't think that there's a creature out there in the woods that somebody's going to be able to, to capture and, and put on display someday. Right. I, I agree with you. And but, but then again, I also will talk to somebody like Dr. Jeff Meldrum, who will lay out to me all of the scientific evidence that he has found to prove that it is a flesh and blood creature and then say, well, I've changed my mind again. Now I think it's a real animal. And then, you know, I don't see any proof of that again. So then I flop back around. So. Right, yeah. It's been that way for the last, you know, well, for my whole life. There you go, yeah. And how about the Loch Ness Monster? I don't believe that exists. Yeah, I mean, there's been, there's there was a recent sighting. Uh, somebody took a photo recently where they had the same kind of humps in the water. Okay. But until I see, you know, an actual plesiosaur come up out of the water, I don't. I don't think I'm going to be convinced. It's a fun story, though. Yeah, and it makes for a great police song. Synchronicity too. <laughs> so, right. and when I think of your spooky South Coast when it started, I have to think of a friend of yours that passed on, Evan Russo. Yeah, Evan was here with us the, for the first couple of weeks. He's the one that helped us get on the air with that. Right. Yeah, he died so young too. Yeah. Yeah. He was on the same time you're on now in the mornings. Wouldn't be here without him. And I remember him and Jack Peterson always having something good to eat. Evan would always share it with him. Yep, yep. They didn't have any left by the time I came in to do the locker room, though. Yeah, two great guys. Yeah, they're up in heaven eating, waiting for us to join them at the table, right? Absolutely. All right, Tim. Have a great weekend. And you as well. Bye Take bye. care. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You are next on WBSM. Good morning. How are you? Hi. Um, I'm calling for Kate, really. About two days ago, she gave a study on the news about people who crossed their clasp their hands which thumb goes on top if she could give those uh that list again that would be most welcome i don't know if she i don't know if she's listening or if she's working on something right now sometimes she's on the phone she turns the radio down but uh i'll check in with her during the news break thank you all right you have a good day 508-996-0500. Well, I say during the news break, I have about two minutes to get in there and ask her a question because I have to ask her during the ABC news before she goes in. But maybe if I have a lengthy commercial break, I can pop in. No, it looks like they're pretty short. Anyway, I'll see what I can find out for you. Um, so going back to the idea of, you know, these sightings again, I don't think that it doesn't have to be people think that because I work in the paranormal world that I have a, a predisposition to think that everything is paranormal. And that's, that's not the case. I think that whatever it was that these kids saw, it could very well have been an actual living animal. But what was it? What was it? Because people have, you know, Bill Bartlett has looked at pictures of baby moose over the years and said, nope, that's not it. They've had 46 years of people trying to come up with explanations. And there's been no backtracking in that time from these three witnesses about, oh, you know what, I maybe I didn't see what I thought I saw. So I think that if you have people that are 
standing by their sightings all these years later, you've got to give it credibility. I think, too, about uh, a gentleman named Calvin Parker who had a UFO sighting years ago, the Pascagoula UFO incident in which he and a gentleman he was fishing with, a coworker, the two of them went fishing after work, and they were apparently abducted by an alien ship and then returned to Earth. And the coworker talked about it for years. Like right when they, they right when it was over, he was telling everybody he was appearing on television and talking about his story. And Calvin never said anything. Calvin stayed quiet for forty years. And now that he's toward the end of his life, he wrote a book about it and decided, you know what, I've I've got to talk about this because I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time to be able to share my version of these events. And so he went out on a on a speaking tour and you know, went to different paranormal conventions and went on different radio programs. We had him on Spooky South Coast and he shared the story of what he experienced in his own eyes and why he stayed silent for so many years and basically saying like, because I saw what they were doing to my friend who spoke out about it and I didn't want to bring that on my life and on my family. But now, uh, you know, that I'm getting closer to the end of my life, I feel like I, I need to, to tell the story. Now, some people are like, well, uh, you're just trying to make some money. I can tell you, he hasn't really made any money. Uh, it, it's not like it, it's not like uh, somebody paid him a million dollars to write a book of a story. He self-published it. He has to go out there and hustle at conventions, you know, selling the book. To, to make back what it cost him to get out there. So it's not something that's been a moneymaker for him. But he felt it was important to get his story out. And so I believe somebody like that. Now, do I believe that he really was abducted by aliens and taken aboard a ship? I don't think so. But whatever it is that he's telling, he believes it. And so those are the stories that, that kind of capture me. You know, him, Jim Wittenberger, who I, I spent, literally have spent like seven or eight hours interviewing and Jim has a tendency to repeat himself and in those seven or eight hours I've spent interviewing him and the many times that he's told the same stories over and over never wavered from any of the details never tried to extrapolate anything out because you can always tell when somebody's telling you a story right because they're they're listening for your reaction to it and if you're not giving them the reaction that they want they start upping the ante with some of the details. And Jim doesn't do that. He And I've heard him on other programs. He tells the same story. Calvin, same thing. He tells the same story. Travis Walton, who I've heard tell his story, the fire in the sky case. If you ever saw that movie, Travis Walton tells the same story all the time, doesn't waver. And I firmly believe that whatever Travis thinks happened to him, he thinks happened to him. He's, he's not just telling a story. There was a, a gentleman, uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he came on to one of my programs where he was telling a story about how he had been in a secret space program for 20 years, that they took him when he was 10 years old, put him in this secret space program. He served as a, as a, as a, a worker on Mars as part of this program, and then they returned him back to his bed 20 years later and put him back at 10 years old. And to everybody else, it was like nothing ever happened. But for 20 years, he had this other life. 
And I thought the story was outrageous and ridiculous, which, of course, I still want to interview him and, and have the story because it's entertaining for people. But I'm just not going to buy it. And the more I heard him tell the story and I listened to him do other interviews, I said, I don't know that I believe it, but he believes it. I'll see if I can find his name. It was a fascinating story. He has a name that sounds like a local name, but he's not local because I remember asking him if he has relatives in the area. But um, anyway, 508-996-0500. All this comes about because, as I mentioned, today is the 46th anniversary of the Dover Demon sighting, which we have uh, a story up on the WBSM Facebook page for you to check out and offer some commentary if you would like to do so. And uh, we do have a comment that was put up. Uh, somebody tagged a woman named Katie in the comments of the story. And Katie wrote, do you remember when I saw a creature like this on Russell's Mills Road going into the bushes? We got almost to your house and turned back around because I wasn't going any further. Resembles this. So there we have a local sighting of something that looks like the Dover Demon. On Russell's Mills Road in Dartmouth. That's pretty... That's close to home, right? Having our own version of the Dover Demon here. Might have to reach out to her. And Katie, if you're listening, might have to uh, reach out to you and get some more of your details and see if we can't write that story up. Maybe other people had a similar sighting. Okay, 508-996-0500. We will take a break and we'll be back in just a few moments. Fridays on South Coast tonight are always big shows. Uh, you, you can tune in tonight and you can hear the Pansy Brothers. They'll be on. And tonight they're going to have Stephanie Murray. She is a reporter covering the Tom Brady, Larry David, Shaq, and Taylor Swift involvement with the FTX cryptocurrency scandal. So if that's something that uh, has caught your attention then you certainly want to tune in tonight when Stephanie Murray joins Marcus and Chris to talk about that. Uh, Chris also I got your text uh, when I was talking about the Baby Moose explanation for the Dover Demon. He wants to know if Baby Moose has a song like Baby Shark. And I think Baby Moose, doo, 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 doo. I think that can be a, an actual song uh, that we can go play up in the woods of Dover and see if that drives the Dover Demon out. Or actually, probably drive him deeper into the woods. 508-996-0500 is the number to call in and chime in. By the way, speaking of paranormal things, you know that you can send us app chat messages on the WBSM app. And those of you who listen to the program also know that M in New Bedford, or as I call him, miserable in New Bedford, is uh, constantly using app chat to berate me. And I got an app chat message the other day that I wanted to just address here. I sent him, so, so here's what he sent in. I watched your video of you in Amityville, New York, and you said you went there to tape something. All you did was drive by the house in a car. Stop telling us BS stories already 
Amityville was all bull. Well, whatever you might want to feel about the Amityville case, this, this is because this came up with a caller the other day. But whatever you want to feel about the case itself, uh, it's, it's not bull that I went and taped a special. And I responded to him by sending him a link to the, the documentary that I was in called Famously Haunted Amityville, which I'm in quite a bit talking about the Amityville case. So I debunked his claim there, but uh, didn't, didn't hear back from him about that. But uh, you, can, you can check it out if you want to do so for yourself. Uh, yes, HT New Bedford, 20 and back. That was the program uh, that he's talking about. And it was Tony, I think, was it, was it Andre? It's Tony, Tony something. It just popped into my head. Uh, I suppose I could have looked it up during the commercials. Uh, also, we have Blue Googs in Fairhaven, another frequent app chatter who uh, just wants to give me crap, but at least at least Blue Goose is funny about it. Hey, Timmy Daddy, interesting show on creatures. In my experience, the most dangerous creature on the South Coast is the woke man from Wareham. Yeah. You, you know who else you have to be careful of, though, is the Blue Googs in Fairhaven. I mean, it, it it never emerges from its cave, but it, it it has a it has an annoying sound that it makes that nobody cares to hear. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. If you want to call in and chime in on that or any other topic, but I just I brought it up because today is the forty sixth anniversary, and I reshared the story, so I thought it might be something that people might want to uh, discuss a little bit, and then of course. Here we have on the Facebook comments somebody saying that they had a similar sighting recently in the Dartmouth area of a, of a creature that looked just like the Dover Demon. Maybe this is some sort of species that we don't know anything about. Maybe it's the same creature. Do you think that maybe uh, maybe he has a, a regular home in Dover and a summer place down in Dartmouth? Do you, do you think he's Karen Polito-ing it? That maybe he's retired now and... He says, uh, I'm going to buy myself a, a, a big big place down, down Payton Aram. I don't know, maybe. But the Dover Demon is a story that has stuck around for all these years. Almost $50. $50. Almost 50 years, I should say. And um, it is something that will, you know, always be what, you know, as Kate said, growing up in Dover. It'll be something people will always talk about. But I think, too, that the supernatural explanations that have been put out there are probably not very likely. I don't think that it was necessarily a cryptid creature. I don't think necessarily that it was a supernatural being. But it certainly is a fun legend to talk about. And we like to talk about legends and lore here. We like to talk, especially on a Friday, especially when it's a you know going to be a nice day. Maybe some folks want to go into the woods today and take a walk. Maybe you're going to go to the Freetown State Forest and and walk around. Maybe you're going to go hiking out there. Beware of the puckwudgies. I was just out there out in that area last weekend and people are still talking about them. People are still experiencing them. I don't know that what what it is that they're really experiencing it, but everybody's kind of giving it that that blanket title of puckwudgie. So, Ewan Chu as a uh, as was pointed out by one of our app chatters, Ewan Chu. 
Anyway, I'm going to take my final break of the hour. If you want to call in 508-996-0500, we'll be joined in the next hour uh, at just about 1030 by New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad and Councilor at Large Brian Gomes. And as you probably know, Councilor Gomes is the chair of the Council's Public Safety Committee. So we're definitely going to get his take and Council President Morad's take on this discussion going on about the uh, New Bedford Police Union being cautioned. That's the word that was used, cautioned by the police administration about what they're putting out on Facebook. As you know, the counselors are working on their own plan to be able to utilize social media to disseminate information, that they're going to have their own Facebook page for the council uh, to be able to put out information. So what's going to happen here? You know, are we going to see the, you know, the, the, the police union has said they're going to continue to put information up, but they're going to wait for it to be, put out by the police department what happens the next time something big occurs and it's a weekend and the police department isn't going to put anything up until monday do you think that the the union will be compelled to share out that information or do you think that this is a a chastising here that will make it so that they just realize they can't do that at all it's it'll be interesting to see what happens because the same thing happens with the fire department the fire union will put out information about the fires that are out there. They'll they'll put something up as soon as there's a working fire, pretty much, to let people know about it. And then they'll put out details and photos and videos uh, once everything is under control. And then the department will post stuff later. So is there is there not a pathway where the same kind of thing could happen? I don't know. But we can talk about that and more uh, when we come back from the break. We'll be back in just a few moments. <coughs> Don't look now Things just got worse I'm drunk Can I swear this Present Is just a curse Nobody remembers Dog's Eye View But anyway <laughs> That was that was their one hit uh, 508-996-0500 Now the app chatter had mentioned Corey Good for the 20 and Back program And yes he is famously known as the person that, that has been out there talking about it. But the gentleman who I interviewed about it was uh, Tony Rodriguez. And I remember that's why I asked him. I was like, is it Rodriguez or is it Rodericks? Uh, because, you know, it's it's different in different places. And uh, so, yes, uh, Tony Rodriguez is the person that I talked about. And his story, as much as I didn't want to believe it, uh, he definitely believed it. So it, to me, it sounds very impossible that you were taken from your bed when you're 10 years old you work for 20 years in a program as a worker on mars then you're brought back and put back into your body at at 10 years old again and and no time has passed in this world seems like a strange one to me Anyway, if you are interested in getting yourself some great deals, head on over right now to SeizeTheDeal.com. We have so many great deals up there. Festiva Buffet just went live, $50 for $25, uh, but there are so many other great ones up there. How about $50 to Yaz Chicken? I mean, everybody's posting about this place. All over social media, all I see are photos from Yaz Chicken. $50 to Yaz Chicken for just $25. bucks. How about a nice night out with some seafood and overlooking the water? You can go to Lobster Pot and have $50 for just 25 bucks. That's available at seasonthedeal.com. 
$30 to Peyton's for just $15, $50 to Buddies and Brother for $25, $50 in gift certificates to Mr. Chicken for just $25. How about a nice night out on the Cape? $50 gift certificate to Bridgeview Grill for just $25. Or if you're looking for some good, authentic Japanese food, you can get $30 to Yozakura Sushi in New Bedford for just 15 bucks. And remember, not just the sushi that they have on the menu, but William can do the secret menu over there. So if there's something Japanese that you've always wanted to try, but it's not on the menu, don't worry. He knows how to make it. Just ask. And if he has the ingredients, he'll whip it up for you right there. If he doesn't, he'll tell you when to come back, when he'll be able to have everything ready. So you can order off the secret menu at Yozakura Sushi using your $30 gift certificate that you can get for just ten bu- uh, 15 bucks by going to 